You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to visit with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com and John Harris from the Texans broadcast crew. Plus, we'll provide your fantasy fix from Michael Harmon of SwollenDome.com. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Peter King from MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, we know it's a very busy day for you, so thanks so much for the time. You know the Giants culture well. You covered this team for many years. Your reaction to the news that Eli Manning's been benched? I'm surprised, but I'm pleasantly surprised because I think the only logical reason to keep playing Eli Manning in a lost season is that the old, oh, he's our quarterback line. I mean, and the only thing that the Giants have left to play for the rest of this year is to try to make an intelligent decision about whether Geno Smith, which is highly doubtful, or Davis Webb, which is doubtful, but you never know, um, has a chance or a good chance to be a long-term quarterback there. And so I think, you know, you give Geno Smith a couple of games and then you give Davis Webb, what I, the way I would do it is give him three games and just see what happens. But I think it would be silly to basically just play Eli Manning either to keep this streak going or uh, for, for, you know, for some other reason – you know, just because they don't want to stop playing a guy who's not totally responsible for it, but he hasn't played well. And when saying that, these types of moves cause you to assume as you move forward to the offseason that there may be even more moves. Coach McAdoo and Eli Manning, do you think they maintain being there with the Giants as a head well, coach? Well, Cordell, Eli Manning has a pretty tight no-trade clause in his contract. My gut feeling is, and it's only a gut feeling, is that there will be some interest in Eli Manning if the Giants were to um, express some sort of interest or if Eli were to express some sort of interest that he might want to go. And honestly, and it's weird because obviously involving his brother, I think this is a call that John Elway should and quite possibly will make uh, to gauge the Giants' interest. The problem is right now, you know, like in February or March, the problem now, as I see it, is that I don't know who's going to be running the Giants in February <clears throat> because, I mean, uh, Jerry Reese on the plus side, the general manager, has won two Super Bowls in 11 years. But on the minus side, they really have been uh, not a good team and also not a uh, uh, not a big playoff factor since 2011 and so I think John Mara has to make a decision with the Giants not only on his uh, his head coach but he's also got to make a decision on his general manager Chatting with our NFL insider Peter King of the MMQB. Peter, before you joined us, we were having a lot of Jacksonville conversation. How about a reunion Eli Manning teaming up with Tom Coughlin once more 
a lot of sense. I know that Coughlin loves Eli, um, and that's another place that makes a lot of sense. Um, but again, first, that uh, it's one of those things that that the 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 that Eli is going to have to decide what his level of interest is in playing somewhere else, and the Giants would have to be in favor of it. And I have no indication that they've soured on Manning to the point where they'd like to get rid of him. I, I, I would just say one other thing, that Eli Manning, in my opinion right now, is at a point in his career where clearly he could play another two or three years easily if he wants to. But if you're the New York Giants, you have to ask yourself, is that good enough, and do we want that to happen? <clears throat> and the reason why you can't answer that question right now is that you really don't know who's going to coach your team next year right now, and you don't know who's going to be the general manager, the architect of your team. So I think those are not real, not questions that you really can start to answer until, let's say, the middle of January. What about the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, this is a football team that everyone anticipated being pretty good. But as of lately, five or six, five out of the last six games they've lost. What do you see their future look like so far when it comes down to being able to win that Cordell, game? I think one of the things that has happened in Kansas City, and as a quarterback, I think you would understand this. Early in the year, I think there was zero respect for Alex Smith's ability to air the ball out. But after they used in that first game against New England – uh, Kareem Hunt on a 78-yard seam route, and Tyreek Hill the first two or three weeks of the year was uh, a huge downfield threat, and Alex Smith was hitting him. So then all of a sudden, I think teams started more regularly playing two deep safeties and basically saying, okay, beat us in the middle of the field. Beat us with Travis Kelsey consistently. Beat us with the short passing game, the intermediate passing game. And they've been very inconsistent in that regard. And in the last six or seven weeks, Kareem Hunt has gone from a phenom to, you know, a below-average NFL running back. So I think those are the two biggest factors in why the Chiefs have been so mortal. Peter, let's wrap it up with law and order. Even though the optics of the brawl between Aqib Tlaib and Michael Crabtree were poor, were you surprised the league came down that hard with a two-game suspension? Well, the reason I was surprised, Brian, is that if you look at the game, that happened three minutes into the game. So the league essentially has suspended these guys for three games. And that's a tremendous – if you suspend two guys for essentially you know, 18% of the season, think about that. That's 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 a lot, you know. That's you're you're suspending two players for a fifth of the season in taking them out for 57 minutes of one game and then two full games after that. And um, I mean, this is one of those things, quite honestly. That and I'm not defending either guy, but the reason that I think this is excessive is one of the reason, things that Jerry Jones has talked about. The NFL is in a big way suspension happy. And in my opinion, if you eject a player from a game early in a game and you add one game onto it, that's plenty. And it's a huge deterrent. 
you know, for the future. And if they ever do it again, suspend them for eight games. But to give them essentially three games now, that's, I just think it's way too much myself. Peter, as always, we value the insights. Have a great week. We'll chat with you Sunday. NFL first and goal on TuneIn Premium. Thanks very much, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise. With Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too, you just flip a switch and suddenly the sports talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life, Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash no huddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones 2 today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we break down Monday Night Football with Houston Texan sideline analyst John Harris. John, since you're on the sideline, had a great perspective beyond the numbers. How would you sum up Tom Savage's game against a tough Ravens defense? Three more turnovers for Houston's quarterback last night. Yeah, Brian, I think it's missed opportunities. Uh, it, you know, when I walked out of the stadium last night, I just felt like they, I don't want to say they blew it, but I, I just felt like the opportunity was there to win the ball game. And they started off so well. I mean, the first quarter, they pretty much dominated what Baltimore was doing. And then Baltimore ran the fake punt, and everything changed. And that was just enough to kind of get the, the Ravens' offense going. And it sort of woke up the Ravens' defense, too. But you turn the ball over against that group, look, they've got 20, I think it's 26 turnovers forced now, or 26 takeaways this year. I mean, that's, you're talking about over two a game. I mean, that's an amazing number. Um, and it's a great defense in and of itself, but then you tack on 26 takeaways, and that that was the difference last night. That punt, that fake punt was kind of the ignition switch for the Ravens, and the the turnovers. I mean, take your pick, the strip sack, and when it came, I mean, the second interception. I mean, it was just a it was a it was a horrible throw by Tom, and he knows it. He said it afterwards. He it was he had just thrown that same route to CJ to different coverage. And they had a different coverage on, and he decided to say, throw the same exact throw when he should have thrown a back shoulder if he's going to go uh, up the seam on that one. And he did, got picked off. And I think it was just a missed opportunity because when, when he was back there and protected, he threw it well. When they pressured him, he created under the pressure. And it's, it was just a rough, rough night in, in Baltimore when that game was really right there for the taking. John, when you look at Whitney Merciless and also J.J. Watt not being in, and you have Jadavion Clowney, who's playing one of, let's just say, some of the best football of his career so far, they're kind of having him in those hybrid positions. He's just not coming off the edge. They're doing stunts. And, and I think that's why you're probably seeing the success coming from him so much. Give me your take on his upside, even though I know everything is tough on the offensive side of the football. Uh, give me your take on just Jadavion Clowney and what they're asking him to do without having those two pro bowlers in the mix. Correll, I think his his upside is through the roof. I think he is just now tapping into what he really can do. He's so strong. He's so physical. And I talked to uh, one of the Cardinals uh, coaches last week when the Cardinals were in town, and he used a good word. He said he's slippery. And when you see Jadavion, you don't look at him and go, ooh, he's slippery like an eel. You don't think that way, but that's kind of what he does. When he's got that inside move, he's so quick. 
and he darts one way and then slips inside. He's so quick, but he's so powerful, too. And the sack, I thought, was a perfect example of what you're talking about, Cordell, and how Mike Vrabel moves him around. The left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, had gone out of the game, and so they bumped James Hurst from guard to tackle. They brought in Luke Bowenko, and Clowney lined up right over him. And then he whipped him, and the center went over to help, and he whipped the center, and then he tackled Joe Flacco for a sack. I mean, he's, he really, in his fourth year, is starting to show exactly why he was the number one pick. But the thing is, as the, as the number one pick coming out of South Carolina, he was so raw. Now you're seeing the raw being developed, and I think that's the scary part. Because people thought, man, when this guy develops, what's he going to look like? Well, he's going to look like this. And, you know, our, uh, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer, has mentioned, you know, he should be in conversation for defensive player of the year. Now he's not going to get it because the Texans are 4-7. and seven, But with what he's done this year, second in the league in tackles for a loss, he's got nine sacks through 11 games. He's become the, the, the tour de force, if you will, for this defense. And when Whitney and J.J. come back next year, I think it's going to look a little different for them because it's going to be a defense that that needs to feature Jadeveon Clowney going forward. And not to say that the three can't all work together, but it needs to be a defense that really features number 90, I think, in the future. Chatting with John Harris, sideline analyst, Texans Radio Network, Texans team channel here on TuneIn. John, last night DeAndre Hopkins made a very good cornerback in Jimmy Smith of the Ravens look bad. We know about the talent of Hopkins. That's evident on the field. What can you tell us about his work ethic? Because I've read he's a real grinder. He is, absolutely. And I thought it was – I saw him after the first touchdown. He came off the sideline, and a lot of times he tries – you know, he tries to find me like if there's a replay review, he wants to know what I know. Did I catch that? Did I get my feet down? And so he's coming off the field. He looked at me, and he kind of turned, and he kind of pointed. And his jersey was ripped – from from the undercarriage on his right side, and it just got worse and worse. It was like old school, you know, tearaway jersey, like Earl Campbell style. And that's what Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carver doing to him last night. But it didn't phase DeAndre at all. In fact, that's kind of the game that he wants to play. You want to get physical with him, he'll make you pay. But he is he's become a student of the game. He knows this offense backwards and forwards. He knows every single receiver position. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up in a backfield. You can line him up as an X, as a Y, as a Z, as an H, as an F. You can line him at every single position in this offense. He's going to know what that guy's doing, where the ball should go. And the thing is, I see him a lot of times at the line of scrimmage. If you watch him closely enough, you can see him doing stuff with his hands, and he's trying to signal Tom Savage what he sees. And it's single, it's, you know, post-safety coverage. Hey, this should be an opportunity to come to me. He's really good about reading coverages and, and understanding the game. And as he's understand, as he learned the game more, it really has helped him become a much better receiver. But, I mean, his ball skills are incredible. Uh, his ability to get off physical jams and press were just amazing. And I went through and I was reading the play-by-play on the play on the way home. And in the third quarter, in, as I read, it was on one sheet. It was defensive holding, Jimmy Smith. Defensive P.I. Jimmy Smith holding Brandon Carr. Those are all on Hopkins. So he had only 125 yards receiving, but he had probably another 70 to 75 in defensive pass interference and holding penalties as well. So he was a dominant force tonight. Unfortunately, there was really no running game to go along with it. And I think that was 
the big issue outside of the turnovers last night for this offense. DeAndre's been looking for a quarterback that can get him the football, and I think just this year alone, starting off with Deshaun Watson, it really created some momentum carrying over to Tom Savage. When you see him playing the way he's playing and knowing that Deshaun Watson is going to come back next year, shouldn't you as a, as a, as a person that's a part of the organization, a teammate, uh, start licking your chops and saying, you know, this tandem between these two and DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, if he hopefully can stay healthy, can really be a combination that should be reckoned with throughout the league? Oh, I don't think there's any question. I think with what we saw when Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson were all healthy, I mean, think back to the Seattle game the Tennessee game, those two games, those guys were both healthy and they were tearing it up in those two games, those three guys together and the Lamar Miller on top of that. So this, this group is just, you know, hopefully will be able to come back this week in a big game at Tennessee um, because he usually has some pretty good games against Tennessee. So this, this team needs it. But I think the one thing, even with all the quarterback upheaval, if you will, most of the quarterbacks, if not all of them, except last year's quarterback, really made it a focus that if I get in trouble, I'm throwing this ball to number 10. I'm going to throw him the ball because I know he's going to make a play on it. I trust him. And if I just get it in the vicinity, he's got an opportunity to catch it. And so I think when Tom gets in trouble, he knows, okay, it's third down. I'm throwing this ball to 10 no matter what. And sometimes that does get him in trouble because he'll lock in on DeAndre and they'll be – There'll be you know, a safety play and a rat or a linebacker floating in around the line of scrimmage that can make a play. But that's such a, it's a luxury to have because you know if he's on the outside, if he's outside the numbers and it's one-on-one, he's going to win. Those aren't 50-50 balls. Those are not 90-10. And then you throw in a healthy Will Fuller. And then you have Lamar Miller. Uh, and then you throw in a healthy Deshaun Watson. The game changes in 2018 going forward. Problem is, you still got five more games left in 2017, and he's already strung together in a fantastic season uh, DeAndre Hopkins has here in Houston. John, I don't have to play my traditional Stanford card because John Gruden was doing it in detail last night on ESPN. Brennan Scarlett played at Cal before transferring to Stanford as a grad student. What kind of impact is he having on this defense with more playing time now? Well, I think – you could see it early on, Brian. He had a couple of big tackles for a loss. I mean, he chased down Alex Collins on a throw out in the flat. I, will, I thought, wow. You know, coming from a guy that when he transferred over to Stanford, he actually played a three technique. He played a defensive tackle uh, for, for them at times. And he's out here playing outside linebacker. And I think what you see with Brennan Scarlett, you're like, okay, you start taking it for granted a little bit. Well, then he came out of the lineup dealing with a little bit of a foot issue, and I hope he's going to be okay. But he came out of the lineup, didn't play in the second half, and that's when the Ravens started getting some big plays to the outside where outside linebackers were supposed to be where Scarlett would have been, but he wasn't there because he was banged up in the second half. So you really saw the impact of Brennan Scarlett when he was out of the lineup dealing with that injury, and hopefully he'll be able to get back against Tennessee because this team, with all the injuries it's had, Whitney Merciless, an outside linebacker, I mean, it needs to have Brandon Scarlett back. So hopefully he's back because he's come a long way in the two years he's been here. And he has become, with the, with the added playing time and the opportunity, he's really become a factor for this defense. And you saw that last night in the first half before he got hurt. How much hope, John, do you think you guys have when it comes down to how bad 
the Jacksonville Jaguars have looked because of Blake Bortles. I mean, they've had opportunity to win football games, but I would think him in the in the ending part of games, we saw him against the Chargers, we saw him against the Cardinals. Uh, luckily, they got away with one of the Chargers, but yet against the Cardinals, because of the late interception, ended up forcing his team to lose. How, let's say, optimistic are you guys uh, when it comes down to uh, still have an opportunity to be the second best team within this division, considering the Tennessee Titans actually goes on and win this division. Well, you know, it's interesting, Cordell. We, we, I think it's, it's no secret around the AFC South that most people will tell you, look, if you keep the game close, then you hope that Jacksonville will Bortles it at the end and, you know, put the game on his shoulders and That's force nice. him to have to try and Bortles win it. the ball game throwing it up and down the field, and, and you hope at that point that he won't be able to do it because he hasn't shown uh, the propensity for doing that. And so that's kind of, I think, the, the M.O. in facing Jacksonville that, you know, look, for a few quarters, he's going to look good, and there are going to be times where he looks really good, and we've seen that over the years. Uh, he'll look really good for a quarter against us, and then the next quarter he'll throw a pick six and throw a ball off a guy's foot that ends up being interception for us. It's just the inconsistency and we talked about this actually before the game last night, a bunch of us down on the sidelines. What will Jacksonville do next year? If they're going to continue with Blake Bortles, then I think there's a ceiling really on where that team can go. But if they end up going to uh, you know, the quarterback market, be it free agent or in the draft, you know, maybe Jacksonville becomes a pretty interesting player depending on who they're able to pull in. And look, there was a lot of talk about Jacksonville pulling the trigger at number four this year on Deshaun Watson. Well, thank God they didn't do that. I mean, I know they went with Leonard Fournette. But I would think Jacksonville people look at it and say, yeah, we love Fournette, but how would that Deshaun Watson look down in Jacksonville right about now? So, uh, but he's in Houston, and unfortunately he's injured right now. But, you know, they're going to have to make a decision at the end of the year. And, and, look, if Jacksonville ends up getting in the playoffs in some way, shape, or form, maybe that's where it starts turning around for Bortles. I hope it doesn't, but that could be where he starts getting some confidence if he does some good things in the playoffs if Jacksonville is able to get there. John, great information as always. We appreciate you joining us on Zero Sleep. Get some rest, and we'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate you, Tom. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake at the block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on America's team with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Mickey, let's start with what's going on in terms of player personnel. What do you think changed in the evaluation of Darren McFadden? A few weeks ago, we were talking about him potentially filling in for Ezekiel Elliott, and now he's moving on. Yeah, that sort of uh, surprised me that uh, they stuck with Alfred Morris. And I think what happened is Rod Smith, they started liking a little bit more and a little bit more uh, and decided that uh, they were going to start giving him some snaps. I think the other thing that uh, took place was I think Darren McFadden got a little bit frustrated and, uh, you know, he, he got active the second game of the three games that Zeke missed. He only got one uh one snap one carry 
And then last week he was inactive again. Uh, they were saying, and I don't know if they were just being polite, that, you know, if he's active, uh, really, if, unless he's touching the ball, he's not on the field. And if you're a backup running back, you got to do more things. Uh, but I think what it came down to was I think – he got frustrated. I think he expressed that to him, and maybe you know he thought they would could do him a favor by letting him go, and maybe he would latch on uh, with another team. But yeah, my theory that I told you a long time ago about they were saving him uh, so he was healthy and fresh when Zeke's suspension began. Uh, I guess I couldn't have been more wrong. Mickey, when you look at this this offense, uh, along with that, what you just mentioned, um, from a receiving core standpoint, these guys aren't capable of getting any separation. Uh, for some reason, I know they run those option routes, and that's probably why, because they can't really get the separation. Des Bryant, uh, I don't even think he's a number one receiver anymore. I think he's now more of a number two. How do you correct those issues as you move forward into this this scheduling when it comes down to this team still being the second-best team in this division. They still have a chance as a wild card, but it's a reach because of this team inability to convert and actually go out and execute. Well, I, th- I think first and foremost, uh, they got to get this uh, kind of banged-up offensive line back playing well. Uh, I don't think they've played very well uh, these last couple games, especially the last game. Uh, if you figure – that Zach Martin gets knocked out of half the game. Uh, Tyron Smith's probably still playing on a bad, a bad leg, uh, and, and you got backups that really aren't nearly uh, as good, obviously, as your starters. So I think first and foremost, that offensive line has to start playing better. Give Dak Prescott a little bit more time uh, in the pocket. He's getting sacked far, far uh, too many times. Uh, over these last three games. Think about this. He, he was only sacked 10 times in the first eight games. In three games, he's been sacked 14 times. Uh, and Cordell, you know how hard it is to play quarterback uh, when, when you're always kind of got your head on a swivel because you're expecting something bad to happen. And it's not just the sacks, but it's also been the pressure. And so, to me, that doesn't give you a very good chance to get the ball down the field uh, for your receivers uh, to run routes, uh, and then you start shortening things, and, and then everybody's like, well, why can't they get an explosive play? Well, they're just trying to get a positive play, I think, at this point. So, I think first and foremost, you know, they've got to be protect Dak Prescott better. And then the second thing that's got to happen, and you're right, they just can't seem to come up with an explosive play. And I think basically defense are saying, you know what, we're not going to give you anything over the top, but we're going to bet that you can't go 80 yards in 12 or 14 plays without Ezekiel Elliott on the field. And I know it looks fine that, you know, Alfred Morris kind of running the ball a little bit. Uh, but here's the deal. They're not running the ball in the end zone. And, and this just occurred to me today when I was looking at the NFL stats. You know, when, when Zeke's suspension began, so after eight games, he was the second leading scorer in the National Football League. After missing three games, he's, he's still the third leading scorer in the National Football League, and he's only two points out of the second spot. 
So that tells me how important he was because he was running the ball into the end zone. He was scoring, and they just lost that dimension. And, and I think it's affected how defenses play more so than how the Cowboys' offenses are playing. Guy with Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com, and the Cowboys team channel here on TuneIn. Mickey, none of us are coaches, but what do you think Jason Garrett's message could sound like to his team at this stage of the season? Well, I, I, I know exactly what it is because I just got done uh, doing the, the pregame uh, radio interview with him, and there's a sign in the locker room and says the only thing that matters is what you do now. And so the message is, okay, we can learn from what happened during this three-game losing streak. We can correct it, but we can't change it. So you better worry about the Redskins uh, at 7.30 on Thursday night. Uh, and, And that's kind of the way his message has been, even when they were winning last year. Uh, 11 straight games, you know, after you win 10 straight, that don't have anything to do with the 11th uh, game that you're going to try to win. Uh, So I think in losing, that's been the message. Uh, And and then just to make sure everybody uh, is taking care of their own business and and be the best player you can be. Uh, Don't worry about the result. Worry about your uh, execution on the next play, the next play, the next series. And that's definitely what he's been telling this team. Finally, Mickey, since I asked you about Darren McFadden, let me give you an important footnote. He has released a statement announcing his retirement from the NFL. How surprised are you with that news? Uh, I would be very surprised uh, because I I had the feeling he still wanted to play. Um, and, and now you guys may... You know, now that I hear that, boy, if that's in the back of somebody's mind, then they're already retired before they announce they're retired, right? If they're already thinking that maybe I'm done, uh, then I don't know if they felt that way about him or not. Uh, or maybe he just decided, you know what, enough's enough. Uh, I'm not going to try to move somewhere else and, and, and continue to play or uh, be a backup uh, for another team. Yeah, I can read you the statement verbatim. In part today, I am announcing that I'm retiring from the NFL. I have been extremely privileged to play in the league a long time, and now that time for me is done. Mickey, as always, we appreciate the information. Have a great week. We'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. Good to be with you guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise. With Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too, you just flip a switch and suddenly the sports talk comes through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life, Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash NoHuddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones 2 today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Michael Harmon of SwollenDome.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. 
Mike, don't scoff at me. I have to ask the obligatory, what fantasy value would Geno Smith have if you're in dire straits on Sunday? At least he's mobile as the Giants take on the Raiders. If you are in a two-quarterback league, I could suspect that maybe, just maybe, uh, Geno Smith against that bad secondary could have some value. Because even in, well, not quite garbage time, you saw Trevor Simeon come off the bench and have two touchdowns against them this past week. And that Barnburn, uh, known for only for a brawl and people punching helmets again. I, I don't understand this. But the fact of the matter, I'm going to go snatch a bunch of chains and see how quickly I get decked uh, walking through the streets. But uh, Gino Smith is a guy that, you know, you wonder if at this point in the career, I always wonder when guys get get this kind of chance, do they just start winging it downfield, uh, trying to make something happen, or is there there's something more at play? Uh, I, I don't know that I'm making a claim for him, but I could see where the desperation could set in uh, to your wishing, wanting, and hoping that he's winging it. That's Mike Harmon, the chain snatcher. How about that? There you one? go. I like that. <laughs> but how do you view Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup? Uh, as Robert Woods is set to miss another week. Got to be excited about Cooper Cup, what he was able to do, moving the ball. He gets into the uh, mid-number two range now uh, in our wide receiver ranking. Sammy Watkins still the big play threat, but not piling up the receptions necessarily. So he'll go, he'll draw number one coverage, so we'll slide him back into the threes. But certainly um, better prospects for both of them. If you're in a PPR league, Cup is a guy that's going to have tremendous value down the stretch. Talking fantasy with Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, how do you see the Falcons running back situation against the Steely Viking defense this Sunday? You got Tevin Coleman plus Devontae Freeman emerging from the concussion protocol. Yeah, I think you're looking at Coleman probably maintains the lead for one more week, but no better than a mid-number two because you're looking at that, as you say, vaunted Vikings run defense, been solid all all season around that top ten in terms of your overall rankings. When, when we get down to it uh, and we get Freeman back in, more, more to the flex play because you're not sure exactly how much he's going to be able to take on right away, and they've got a good thing going with Coleman, so no reason and to rush him back, especially now that the the play downfield, as the highlight indicated, uh, you've got Julio Jones actually finishing off the drive, getting into the touchdown celebration act as Muhammad Sanu is, both as a, a thrower and a receiver. So good things ahead in the Atlanta offense clicking at the right time. 49ers are a team that was looking for a gift, and I think they got theirs at the quarterback position. But after seeing him for one minute and one touchdown, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo? entering last week's game. Gets to play against a sinking Chicago team offensively. Um, well, they're, they're dead in the water. Uh, there's not a whole lot there. Uh, more Jordan Howard for this week, maybe a little bit more balance. But you look at, for Garoppolo, some uh, some opportunity to make some plays and to get his, his feet wet for these final couple of weeks, the audition for the giant paycheck or the franchise tag, uh, as it were. So uh, we'll look at him do a back-end number two. We can't have grandiose expectations, still not dealing with a full deck and complimentary receivers, but certainly uh, everybody's intrigued and has the eyebrow raised rock style oh. to, to see exactly what happens here. I smell I what you're cooking. I did that just for you, Weber. I smell what you're <laughs> cooking, Rocky Johnson. 
Fantasy analysis, Michael Harmon, <laughs> SwollenDome.com. You alluded to, don't call it a comeback, although technically it is a comeback for Trevor Simeon. He played decently after Paxton Lynch went down with a high ankle sprain on Sunday. So it's Simeon now as the starter in Denver. Does that impact folks like Demarius Thomas at all, or are you just staying away from everyone connected to the Broncos offense? Well, I think you're helped by the fact that they're playing what has been a porous defense. Last four weeks, Miami actually on the season. You're looking at the eighth most fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks last four weeks the highest total per game in the National Football League. So the opportunity for Thomas and Sanders is there. Sanders gets a little bit more of a nod uh, based on that short and intermediate game that they work with him a bit more. So uh, I'll, t- I'll take them both as a as number two wide receivers this week. And for those two quarterback leagues, uh, Simeon just might be a gift against this D. A slow week for Mark Ingram when Kamara lit it up. Are you pumping the brakes on him at all? No, let's keep pushing forward. Uh, just a different scenario where it worked worked out that Kamara in the passing game gave them a little bit more. Obviously, you step back a little bit with Carolina on the slate, but, but not too much. Still a home date for them. Uh, both going to be first running backs in terms of your 1 through 12s. I think Kamara coming in as a top 6, Ingram uh, on the backside in that 10 to 12 range, but certainly opportunity because we have seen a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde uh, from Carolina along the way, and they did struggle with the New York Jets. I don't need to say any more than that. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Let me take you back to Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great holiday. Phillip Rivers feasted on a battered Dallas defense. Better than 400 passing yards. He was not sacked. Favorable matchup against Cleveland this Sunday. Does Rivers have to be in the starting lineup every week moving forward? Going forward, hot as a pistol, as it were. You've got the uh, Keenan Allen It was dormant for weeks, suddenly back-to-back explosions. Hunter Henry, a guy that everybody had been waiting for to emerge, finally finds the end zone. Things are clicking with the running game with two-headed monster there. Uh, good opportunity here. Phillip Rivers' top five play going up against Cleveland and going forward. I don't care what the arm angle becomes if he's underhanded by week 17. He's in your lineup. When you look at Kansas City, how they've lost the last five of their six games, uh, does that cause you to have no trust at all in Travis Kelsey? Right now, it's just tough. It's tough to trust any anybody in that lineup. Going up against the Jets, they've been hit by tight ends most of the season, so he's still going to be in that mid-number one set, I want to say the 8-10 to 10 range right now, where it's really hurting is where you're looking at the availability of Tyreek Hill and, and Kareem Hunt for what they can do for your team because Alex Smith has reverted back to – well, pre-2017, Alex Smith, those big explosive plays aren't there anymore. You saw the gadgetry they were trying to pull out a couple of weeks ago, left us all scratching our head. So Tyreek Hill still available, but back-end number two for you in terms of what your expectations are. And for Kareem Hunt, last week seemed to be that get-right opportunity, failed miserably. So now we've got him in a mid-number two set as well. Even with the larger workload, you're just not getting the productivity. So everybody takes taking a big step backwards.
Today's Fantasy Fix being provided by Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike, how about your beloved Chicago Bears? Obviously, Tariq Cohen has imploded. How about Jordan Howard? Are you sticking with him down the stretch? Well, based on the number of opportunities he gets, you still have to look at it. Obviously, a, a rough sledding uh, this week against the, the Eagles. Mercifully, the, the good folks at Fox said, you know, Harmon's had enough, and they flipped it over to the, to the Jets and Panthers, so I wasn't uh, throwing things at my television. Uh, but for, for Jordan Howard, opportunity here against San Francisco. Bad run defense, so he still gets into our mid-number one ranks in that six to eight range. We'll keep him there for this week but certainly the expectations and ceilings are lowered. With Amari Cooper banged up and uh, Michael Crabtree suspended, is there any one in the Raiders offense you would start, including Derek Carr? Uh, I think uh, against the Giants, uh, now that they've got that wonderful Geno Smith-led offense, so... <laughs> uh, that still got me shaking my head. Uh, Seth Roberts steps up as a potential number three wide receiver for you here. You can maybe get a big hit uh, out of Cardero Patterson, but we never know what his workload's going to be on a week-to-week basis. So I think we're going to look at him perhaps as one of those deep sleepers, but for Derek Carr, no better than a late number two option this week. Maybe the Giants' defense is inspired, but certainly for Derek Carr, we haven't seen the level of consistency. Part of that is because of the well, stone hands of his receivers. I think that's why they felt so emboldened to start throwing punches. Is, hey, <laughs> I can punch the air and not catch a football. Look how hard my hands are. Let's punch helmets. Hands of stone. Roberto Duran. No moss, right. no moss. Michael, let's wrap it up with the hard hitting. With the old wrestling theme. Salient question. Yes. Your hair was purple last week. You broke that story here on the NFL on TuneIn. Yeah. What color is it today? Oh, it's still purple. Still purple. A little bit faded. We've we got to do a touch-up. The girls are uh, looking for a reapplication a little bit later today. Um, but, but yeah, we're, we're, we're just going to stick with it for a while. Maybe through the holidays, maybe we'll get it a little festive as we get closer to, to Christmas and, and everything towards the new year. Uh, new, new face, new, new attitude, and uh, dominant performance in 2018. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going with the right color. You're going with the right color because you know who I'm oh, Case Keenum, here we Case go. Keenum. So we find that like horn? Purple. It's there. There it is. Case Keenum. riding all the way to Minnesota. There I am. The case of Minnesota. All the way. He can jump on my swole back and I'll carry him to Minnesota myself. Mike, when we see you on Radio Row at the Super Bowl, will you have purple hair? Yeah. Why? Are you going through a midlife crisis? uh, That'll still carry through. (laughs) Mike, I've known you since 2006. Should I be concerned? I understand it's about the kids, but you're also a grown adult. What's wrong with that? We've got to have choices in our life, Brian Weber. That's why you're an adult, You don't have to conform to what they think of. The fact that, you know, fantasy fantasy football videos and someone says, hey, you still need to wear a suit is asinine to me. So (laughs) why not have a little bit of It's just hair, Brian. It's just hair. Come on. No, it's the man keeping me down. Mike, you Cordell, are a bold he, visionary. He, he, I mean, you got to get him out of your head, Cordell. Keep working on him. Oh, he's got me. You got to pay me, though. You got to pay me. I need an insurance policy, too, by the way. paying you yeah. to babysit him. Last you time I checked, you get paid. I my time. <laughs> <laughs> you can't double dip. Thank you, Michael. We'll chat with you next week. <laughs> Peace and love, fellas. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.